Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Molly. And Cody. Please join us as we talk true crime over the fence. We're here again. Back in action. This past week, we got some cool feedback. Uh, We pose questions in our podcast for things that we don't know, because guess what? We're not experts and we don't know everything. No, we do not. Mm -mm. We also don't always research everything surrounding a crime Mm -hmm. as far as like what's going on in the world, what laws are at the time. We try to, but if it's not pertaining to the crime, sometimes we just don't have the hours in the day yes to figure it out so we did pose a question back in episode 18 because we were unsure of what the marriage age right. was in maine in the 1980s <laughs> i know right it's- and thank you to shutdowns and quarantine yes someone looked it up for yes. us thank you so thank you super cat scratch 747 we now know consent to marry is 18 mm-hmm. and it's 16 with parental consent which is still that way however under 16 needs court approval but an interesting fact that she posed to us and this is her not me i want to give super cat scratch all the credit most states right after world war ii almost every state enacted a law that made the age 21 however when the draft age was decreased to 18 the same was decided for marriage that's really interesting actually that they boosted it up to 21 21. I always thought it was interesting that you could get married, but not toast with champagne at your wedding. It's actually really funny. My husband's ex-girlfriend from back in the day told me one time he went to like her sister's wedding, I think, or something. And it was a dry wedding, mm-hmm. I think, because they weren't 21. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't, I'm not 100%, but he said it was really interesting because they weren't 21. So yeah. they didn't have alcohol at the wedding. You know what I mean? So right. I just thought it was interesting. You can get married, but you can't drink alcohol. I think And so. vice versa, you know, or yeah. whatever. You know what I'm saying? No, I... I, I feel the same way. Yeah. I mean, I understand the 18. You can you can vote. You can marry, marry. but you can't, can't drink, drink alcohol. Right. These are huge life decisions, but you cannot mm-hmm. decide, yes, I want a beer. Yes. <laughs> it's very, it's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. thought that thank you for the yeah. feedback and uh, for filling in the research gap that we did not fill in. Yeah. And I mean, if you guys ever have anything like that, please, like we've always said, comment on our Instagram. Let us know. I mean, we we're human. We make mistakes and we don't research everything. And like we 
appreciate it. Yes. And I also appreciate that our banter is not unbearable. (laughs) (laughs) It's been called worse. I'll take it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So again, thank you for the review and keep them coming, guys. We really, really appreciate it. And if you guys are caught up on all things over the fence, check out this new podcast. It seems if you're passionate about something, it freaks people out. You're considered bizarre or eccentric. To me, it just means you know who you are. Tim Burton. Hello. Welcome. I'm Scarlett. And I, of course, am Echo. And we would like to welcome you to Strange, Weird, and Unforgettable, our very own podcast. Now, I know it's strange and odd to release a trailer for your podcast after you already have episodes out. But since when do we do anything the normal way? So follow along with us. Accept this invitation, if you would. As we discuss the things that fascinate us. The paranormal and the events they cause. The dark and sometimes hidden meanings in folklore. The creatures or cryptids that very well may be among us. The dark and morbid events that have happened in history. And other things that can fall into the strange and weird category. Or things that just spark our interest. After all, normal is forgettable. So join us for the strange and weird. That creates the unforgettable. To paraphrase Lydia Dietz from Beetlejuice, live people ignore the strange and unusual. We ourselves are strange and unusual. The case that I'm going to be talking about this week was actually one of the first listener requests I got. I think we even talked about it in like one of our first podcasts saying like, hey. And I was working on it. Yes. And I have been working on it Mm -hmm. since then. There isn't as much information readily available. Mm -hmm. So I haven't been able to make the episode come into fruition. Right. When we put out a request a couple weeks ago asking for listener requests, this one came up again. Yeah. And then we actually saw it in a separate forum. Mm Mm-hmm. And recently they had a candlelight vigil for this victim Yes, in the last couple of weeks. So uh, it was time. All yeah. all signs in the universe yeah. were pointing to it was time to talk about it. And I think it's super interesting like how some cases can just have overloads of information. And then there's some cases like the one we're about to talk about that are just like not enough about it is known. It's just really fascinating to me that it's about, you know, a young girl being kidnapped just like about Polly Class who was in the same town. And mm-hmm. there's so much about her, but like you barely know this girl's name which is so sad you know and a, a lot of things come up for for one her race and her socioeconomic status yeah uh, people will point to that you'll listen in this and just how the system yeah. failed her yeah so this is the story of georgia lee moses georgia lee moses was born on january 7th 1985 she grew up in a home where she had to take responsibility for not just herself but also for her mother ida and her little sister angel Her mother had some disabilities developmentally and mentally, and there was no father in the picture. Okay. And she started taking care of her younger sister, Angel, or being almost the primary caregiver Mm -hmm. around when she was seven. Oh, wow. So I think Angel at that time would have been about two years old. Mm -hmm. They're five years apart. And I know you said her mother had disabilities. Was she just checked out, or was there anything? No. Well, there's not a whole lot of information Mm -hmm. on that, but it is that she had mental illness, Mm -hmm. and she just wasn't capable of caring for Georgia and her sister. Right. Georgia lived in Rohnert Park, which is a town in Northern California, until a few months before her disappearance. She moved to Santa Rosa, which is about 15 minutes away, when her family was evicted from their apartment. So that's where she was living at the time she goes missing. They moved into a one-bedroom place with their mother's boyfriend. 
and this was in early 1997. Her mom's boyfriend was named Edward Melvin Pope. And again, he moves in with Georgia, her little sister, Mm -hmm. and her mom. The reason I emphasize this is that Edward Pope was a convicted child molester. No. Yes. CPS had become involved in Georgia's life at times. She had been on their radar. But there were no outward signs of abuse, so no one ever intervened. So at the time, was CPS involved at all? Because wouldn't they have known that she moved in with a convicted... This is exactly what I was thinking. If CPS was involved, why did they not have an issue with her living with a convicted sex offender? Yeah. Just six years earlier, in January of 1991, he was convicted of molesting a child under 18. Yeah, that's like really soon after. And again, I was having a hard time finding the exact laws of registering as a sex offender at the time, but according to the California Office of the Attorney General's website, in 1947, California became the first state in the nation to enact a sex offender registration law that required sex offenders convicted of specific offenses to register with their local law enforcement agency. Mm -hmm. I don't know... If he was transient and then moved in with them and then hadn't reported, I don't right. know what what it could have easily it. like slipped under the radar. I exactly. mean, they, I mean, her mom might not have reported that they moved. There's they so many, so many facets. Know. But bottom line is, if it came on the radar, there is no reason that he should be living with two little girls. No, no, no. I think if it was known by someone, that wouldn't have been happening. I would hope. So. I would hope so. At least. Um, Georgia was known for her smile and her welcoming personality. And she was called a leader among her peers. She was a good friend and a great big sister. Mm -hmm. Her sister today is a huge advocate. And a lot of people would talk about her hair, which I loved. If she had them in braids, they were always perfectly braided. Oh, wow. Just always on point. Unfortunately, due to her circumstances at home, she was habitually truant from school. This is, again, a time when CPS or some other agency should have gotten involved. Right. Because... Truancy is usually an indication of something else going on. Mm -hmm. And it ended up, she was so habitually truant, she dropped out of middle school altogether. Oh. Yeah. Okay. At 12. And she had to drop out to take care of her mother. But there was no follow-up afterwards. I mean, it seems like the school would have been like, hey... Hey, wait a minute. Let's contact the authorities or CPS. Because since when do 12-year-olds get to to make those kind of decisions? exactly. A lieutenant from Sonoma County Sheriff's Office did comment on that. And Uh they did state, again, that CPS had been involved previously, but there were no outward signs of abuse. And I'm going to take this moment here to talk about outward signs of abuse. (laughs) So you can't typically see mental abuse or sexual abuse. The only thing you can see is physical abuse Mm -hmm. if... They let you see it. Right. Which is easy to cover up. There are so many other things to look for. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't think this is where this case goes as to far as what happened to her. Mm -hmm. But because the system didn't pick up on these things, they didn't protect her when she needed to be protected. She's a 12-year-old little girl that was not protected by the system. Mm -hmm. This brings us to the night of August 13th, 1997. Georgia was at a friend's house that night and received a page. And I've tried to explain it to my kids like, you got this page. I'm going to explain it to any younger listeners too. You get a page with like a message or a phone number and you have to find a phone. To call the number. To call the number because you don't actually have a phone. No. I totally remember that. I remember talking to friends, boyfriends at the time, like just like page recoding, like just having full on conversations like, meet me here, star 28, you know, or like blah, blah. Complete digression from the case. Sorry. Pagers were it. (laughs) I want to bring back pagers and flip phones. Oh, yes. 
My name is Cody and I support this message. <laughs> Bringing them back. Back to the 90s, early 2000s. Here we come. <laughs> so she responded to this page. She used her friend's phone and then she told her friend that she is going to go meet someone. Her friend stated that she walked Georgia to a nearby gas station, which was the 76 gas station in Santa Rosa on Sebastopol Road and Dutton Avenue. Okay. That's a pretty, two pretty busy roads that intersect and where they cross each other, there's a 76 and then there's also a Jack in the Box. There's varying accounts of where she's last seen. Is it 76 okay. or is it Jack in the Box? Got I it. couldn't find exactly, mm-hmm. but it's literally in the same intersection. Mm-hmm. When she got to the 76 gas station, she left with a man in a white four-door car. Georgia later called her friend and said she would not be back that night. That was the last contact that was made by Georgia. And the last time she was seen alive was at that gas station at around 10.30 p.m. on August 13th. The man she left with was described as an African-American man, 24 to 30 years old, around 200 pounds, and 6 foot 4 inches tall. That's a big guy. That's He's huge. Very noticeable. Yes. <laughs> so he had a short shaved cut, like a fade, uh-huh. and... Nothing about that description other than the fact that he's six foot four really stands out to me. There are other reports of him being anywhere between six foot two mm-hmm. and six foot four, but mm-hmm. the shortest is six foot two. But again, that's still, still really tall. Guy. Yeah. Six foot two, 200 pounds is mm-hmm. a big dude. And do you know, is it like multiple people that has spotted them together? That's that is a concrete for sure. For sure. Okay. She was seen with okay. this man last. Okay. And there was reports that they just wanted to talk to this man in the white car. We right. still Yeah. Figure it out, and we could figure mm-hmm. a whole lot out. A lot out. Because that's the last time she's seen or heard from. Georgia was wearing blue jeans, a white shirt, and a white windbreaker. And so, again, you have these very vague descriptions of people. Other than him being six foot four, nothing stands out about this description. She's no. wearing blue jeans, a white shirt, and a white windbreaker. Yeah. And he's like, a bigger guy, has short clothes, <laughs> short hair, and drives a white car. A, which is like... Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like, how are you going to find that? A person? white four door car in the late nineties? Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. That's everybody. <laughs> and seeing a girl in jeans and a white windbreaker in the nineties also is like right. Uh, so it's very ninety esque. Yes. yes. <laughs> so although they had this description, it doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, that doesn't help a lot of people either. Yeah, I don't know. This is where I want to go back to the home situation because I was thinking about it and I looked into it more. So Edward Pope, mm-hmm. the child molester that lived with her, right? He was five foot eleven. And he was arrested in 91. He would have been around 50 years old okay. at this time. And he was only about 135 pounds at the time of his arrest. Right. But 5'11", 200 pounds would look a lot different than 6'2", six 6'4", foot six foot and 200 oh, pounds. yeah. It would be significant. Yeah. And he's aged out of there. He's mm-hmm. not tall enough. And the yeah. only – he's the right race. That's about it. That's about it. And like 5'11", and 6'4", that's a big difference. Big difference. I think 5'11", yeah. and 6'4". Six foot two is a big, is a difference. big difference. Once you get yeah. over six feet, you start. You notice the the height. Exactly. Five eleven is kind of pretty average for a guy. Yeah, I think so. So, this is where I go back, and I I understand that her 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 circumstances where she lived was mm-hmm. was awful, and that should have not happened. But I don't necessarily know if he had to do with the disappearance. I have a theory that I'll bring in the end okay. that could possibly be something, but I we'll get there. I mean, I guess you could say a lot could happen between that moment and exactly the time that she what. Which is why they wanted yeah. to talk to the guy in the white right. four-door mm-hmm. car. I mean, he could have brought her down the road and that was it. And or then he taken could, her home. Right. Anything. Who knows? So it's cited that Georgia looked old for her age. But we'll post pictures. Mm-hmm. Not really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing about her that looked womanly. Right. Like I would look and go, wow, you're very mature. She looked like a 12-year-old she girl. She looked like a 12-year-old girl. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a tall 12-year-old girl because she okay. was 5'4". Yeah. I wasn't 5'4 when I was 12. Yeah. But that's me. Mm-hmm. Some people are. Mm-hmm. And... 
I don't know why that was put out there. It was put out there a lot that she, oh, she looked mature for her age. They also said, and I don't like this implication either, that she was last seen with a man twice her age. I don't like that. Right. That makes, it's like, puts it onto her instead of like, he was seen with a young girl. You know, I just don't like the implication there. Like, it's her that's choosing to be with a man that's twice her age. Okay, it doesn't matter what her intent is in that moment. The man is the adult. Right. She's the 12-year-old little girl. Mm -hmm. So, and in the end, who knows what this man was really doing? Maybe he was a friend that was really bringing her to her friend's house, and he's just an innocent bystander. Who knows who this man was? I mean, you don't know, you know. Time goes by, and she's missing. Mm Mm-hmm. On Friday, August 22nd, 1997, a Caltrans worker, and for those of you that don't live in California, a Caltrans worker is a roadway worker. Mm -hmm. They work on all of our road systems in California. And he was working on Highway 101, which is a main highway, U.S. Highway 101. It goes from like the top of California to the bottom of California. You can get all the way through using the Highway 101. And it was in Petaluma, which is about 20 miles from where Georgia Lee Moses was last seen. So the body was badly decomposed because it had been outside. And at this point, they didn't know how long this body had been there. Mm-hmm. The body was that an African-American female between the ages of 18 and 40. Yeah, that's that's really off. Like Really off I mean, and, and a like, really wide range. Yeah. Like <laughs> You would think that they did that to capture the age. Right. And they still miss the they age. Still, and I mean, lots of years. <laughs> <laughs> miss it by a lot, guys. A lot. Wow. And the female was about 5 feet 4 inches tall and weighed about 120 pounds and had braided hair. I want to clarify something that gets misconstrued in the media and did a lot at this time. Nothing evidentiary has ever been released to the public regarding what Georgia Lee Moses did or did not do in her relationships with men, young or old. Okay. There's nothing in there. She was not running around wild and free. Okay. She had to become more mature because of her circumstances. She was a caregiver to her mother and sister. I want to clarify also, Georgia Lee had no criminal history as a juvenile. That means she most likely wasn't involved in drugs or theft. Right. Because being engaged in those types of activities, you're typically going to come on the radar. You're 12 years old committing crimes. You're going to fuss up and the cops are going to catch you. Right. But there was none of that. Okay. So this was a blessing and a curse. She wasn't on anyone's radar. Right. Even when she went missing. Because she had an ill mother, a boyfriend that the mother lived with who probably didn't care, and a sister who's too young to do anything. So who's and she's gonna, not in school, and, she's, and yep. she's not on CPS's radar. Yep. So who's going to report anything so about her? So she wasn't on law enforcement's radar, mm-hmm. not school, not her family. Mm-hmm. She was 12 years old, and no one no reported her missing. No one's looking for her. Ugh, that I just want to let that sink in. Yeah. Cause that's it's so sad. And I just... The media wanted to say that she was in relations with men and that she was, again, with men twice her age, which Mm. none of that is evident by anything that's been released Mm -hmm. to the press, to the public. There is no record of Mm -hmm. any type of relationship she had with men, young or old. Right. She didn't have a criminal history. It's just rumors, basically, right? Okay. It was just speculation that was put because of... Her circumstances? Her circumstances. (laughs) And that she... Wasn't monitored. And was seen with a man probably last that was older. and Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's the implication that's been put on her. That's so horrible. I just, it's heartbreaking mm-hmm. that she's now, she's missing mm-hmm. and nobody reports it. Right. Ugh, that makes me so sad for her. So the way that they were able to link the body back to Georgia Lee Moses right. was an anonymous tip was called in. 
not by the family. It's been speculated that it's a person that knows the family, but well, not necessarily yeah, the family. Yeah, it could be a family friend of some sort. Or... Somebody had noticed that she wasn't around, and it was around the same time that the body was discovered, mm-hmm. and then they saw the body was discovered, said, hey, Georgia's not I, been I haven't around. seen her. Mm-hmm. So they called it in. Mm-hmm. They were able to link the body back to Georgia mm-hmm. Lee due to that anonymous tip, and the cause of death was released as strangulation. Okay. The body was found nude, mm-hmm. but it hasn't been released on if there was any sexual okay, assault. Okay, I was going to ask that. Okay. Right. On October 25th, 1997, mm-hmm. there was a gathering at Santa Rosa's Community Baptist Church in honor of Georgia, and it was attended by about 200 people. That's a lot of people to come to that, considering this poor thing wasn't even reported missing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I know. That just makes me feel good for her that at least there's a community that cared. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So It just, unfortunately, that was a little, it was a it was little, little late. late. I know. But Georgia's body, that what they did have that gathering, but Georgia's mm-hmm. body was not released for burial until about 10 months after her death. Okay. And by that time, her mom and her little sister had moved out of state to go live with family. Do you think that's normal? 10 they months? They said that they kept the body for 10 months for a complete investigation of the body. They wanted to thoroughly run tests on the body okay. and pull off whatever they could from it and they held it for 10 months that seems like is a body preserved that kind of uh, you know a deceased body i have no idea like because it's also they say that the body was so badly decomposed they think that the time of death was pretty quickly after she went missing yeah that's weird like 10 months seems like a really long time yeah and by this time her mom and sister have left they the left. state and wow. they can't make it back so she ends up being buried by close friends okay and there was a whole community at this point that is missing Georgia. Mm-hmm. There's people that talk about this currently. They're still affected by it because of the brutality of it. And it was one of their own classmates. In 1998 or 1999, America's Most Wanted told Georgia's oh. story. Oh, I, I couldn't find a clip of you that. Mm. And after that, there was tons of tips that came in, but nothing came of it. Ugh. And then they said, OK, I think we have a good fit because in 1998, Wayne Adam Ford, okay. who was a serial killer in Northern California, he was arrested. This seemed like a good fit due to the similarities of the crime with strangulation and where he was committing crimes okay. off of Highway 101. There's a big mismatch here, though. If you want to put your money on the guy that she was last seen with, mm-hmm. Wayne was a 36-year-old white male. Oh, well. But again, we like we don't know what happened right. after she was in the car. Right. We don't know. So... Some people have tried to say it was him, but they looked through and disproved that it was him. But again, once she goes missing, we don't know what happens after that. Right. That's so, what I'm saying. She could have come across for who knows where or what or when. So that last witness account of who she was with, that's just a person she was last with. Right. We don't know. I don't know. But that's just, I mean, I feel like if it was someone that was innocent, they would have come forward at this point. Very you good would point. assume, right? Right. I mean, because there's nothing to hide. Yeah. Right? Come so. forward and say, hey, I was with her and this is what I did. Yeah. I took go. her and delivered her here. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is that it's an older man and he's in the company of a 12-year-old. It, that could look and bad. And he doesn't want. Exactly. Yeah. Even if it was a friend that was mm-hmm. just early 20s or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I still have a question with why you're with a 12-year-old. Yes. So the years go on. No movement on the case. Um, in 2000, in memorial of Georgia Lee, two San Francisco firefighters constructed a metal sculpture of an angel and hmm. they placed it by the tree where her body was found. Oh, wow. And it was maintained at that site for 12 years, so until 2012. Uh-huh. But 
unfortunately, road work in the area forced the sculpture to be removed. Oh, no. A note was put on the sculpture that it needed to be moved by such and such date or it would be discarded. And they threw it away? It would have been. Okay, good. But a petition was filed for the city of Petaluma to have the sculpture relocated to City Hall. And it's okay. on the property of City Hall right oh, now. Really? To this huh. day. They gladly obliged. Yeah, yeah, Bring yeah. it over. Mind you, Georgia wasn't from Petaluma. But no. this city adopted her as their own because that's where she was found. Mm-hmm. And she kind of became Petaluma's missing child. Yeah. So that's where you can find find the statue to this day. And it's just so sad because here's another circumstance is something to honor her. And that has to be taken away too. Yeah. And this isn't the end of the sadness. Oh, no. In 2006, inspired by Georgia's story, Leah Rowley, she founded Santa Rosa's Children's Village. And this is a home for neglected and abused children. Okay. This is a nonprofit to help those children that are in the exact same circumstance that Georgia right. was in. yeah. But the nonprofit ran out of funding and lasted for only 10 years Ugh. and closed in 2016. Oh, man. And it's hard because... There's a struggle to keep Georgia's memory alive. Right. It keeps coming They're against trying. roadblocks. Yeah. A local of Petaluma who is a singer-songwriter, Tom Waits, he actually made a song, and it's called Georgia Lee. And if you want to check it out, uh, we can put a link to the song. I just want to read some of the lyrics that are in it. Cold was the night, hard was the ground. They found her in a small grove of trees. Lonesome was the place where Georgia was found. She's too young to be out on the streets. Why wasn't God watching? Why wasn't God listening? Why wasn't God there for Georgia Lee? He forever memorialized her in a song. Yeah. And um, it's a very haunting and sad, sad song. But Mm -hmm. he did it be in memoriam of her. That's nice. Because he's from Petaluma and he was touched by her case. Yeah. I want to bring us to present day. Change.org. There was... A petition signed and it has already been submitted to the Sonoma County Sheriff's Office and other nearby jurisdictions mm-hmm. to make it an active investigation not just right. keep it open they're petitioning for more DNA testing to be run mm-hmm. because they had the body for 10 months yeah like they've got to got, have something they haven't released anything as far as like DNA right not like they would need to tell us about it but I mean they haven't released anything. Well, you think if they'd have DNA with how far along DNA has come now that they would be able to do something. With the genetic genealogy. Yes. Let's CC. figure it out. CC, Calling where are CC. you at? <laughs> at CC Moore. Where are you at? Yes. Parabon. Yep. Please help. Mm-hmm. So on November 7th, 2020, mm-hmm. there was a candlelight vigil held outside of Petaluma City Hall. And I did watch some of the speeches made about Georgia in this case. And mm-hmm. that took place at the candlelit vigil. And it was it was heart wrenching. So, do you know who, like, what people spoke at? Well, it? her sister was there. Oh, she Angel was, was there. Okay. And there were people that had met Georgia in school, okay. met Georgia at their her apartment complex. Mm-hmm. There were people there that didn't know Georgia but knew her sister. Mm-hmm. And there were some people there that just were touched by the case, right. and they want wanted to honor her. Right. And if I had found out about this earlier, mm-hmm. I swear I would have made an effort to go because this case just keeps popping up. It does to us. I know, I know. And so if if I if oh I think we found out the day of. Yeah, we did. I think it was like I I think I tagged you and I was yeah. like, oh look what's happening or yep. something. Yeah, and like we found and I was like, oh my god, and we yeah. found out the day of. So I watched it a couple days later just to. I wanted to see what was happening. Yeah. In the case, mm-hmm. and I wanted to see if there was anything new, and it 
it was to honor her, but it was also to bring light to this case. Like, yeah. get it figured out. Right. Please. I mean, there's just, I mean, there doesn't seem like, I mean, what was she doing earlier that day? Like, it's like, what was, I mean, I feel like the police. Who was the page from? Right. Did you talk to that person? Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's an open investigation, so we don't know. But I feel like there's things there that you could figure out. Right. And I don't, we just don't know because it's open. Right. We don't know there's anything. probably a lot they're not releasing. The problem is. We have all these questions. Mm-hmm. The family has all these questions. Right. The public has all these questions. And I think that we feel like it's there, mm-hmm. but it just hasn't been worked hard enough. Mm-hmm. And it's just, she just went missing. Yeah. And there's come up against so many roadblocks on having her memory served and mm-hmm. carried forward. And right. again, I just take it back to the fact that she wasn't reporting this. I know. It just kills me. And being 97, 97, I was maybe a freshman in high school. I don't remember ever hearing. And if you feel like that would have been a big news story in town, I don't remember this at all. Like, I don't remember ever hearing about it. I mean, nothing. I don't remember my parents ever talking about like, oh, my God, this young girl was found murdered. She was only 12. Like, you feel I feel like that would have been in my memory somewhere because that's such a big deal, especially in my in Petaluma at the time. Like, I mean, there was poly class and then this and there wasn't a lot of kids that were kidnapped and murdered and missing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm starting to, you know, I remember we talked about Petaluma being a nice, quaint town. (laughs) Starting to starting to disprove that. that. (laughs) You're disproving that fact. But a lot of the media at the time it was infuriating to Mm -hmm. read it was one of the san francisco publishings and they stated she was growing up too fast maybe too fast what does that even mean mean? and how do you know yeah exactly. because she's a 12 year old that had to take care of herself Mm -hmm. that's not her fault no no you think she chose to do that yeah she didn't have any parental supervision at all so it's like if you're 12 and you don't have that happening in your life like you're gonna go and do and be and see whatever you want to go and do you know what i mean and she had a sister and a mom to care for so who knew what she had to do? I don't yeah. know. It's just who knew what she was up to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she was with a friend. They were doing normal 12-year-old yeah. girl things. Right, right. And she got a page and left. Yeah. And I don't know how that puts her at fault for anything. No. She's a 12-year-old child. Right. And this was a hard case to research in the fact that there's not a lot of information about it. No. It's an open investigation, like we've said. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of people are talking about it. There are other podcasts that cover it the information across the board is pretty uniform right and there's not a lot of yeah. it yeah well i think even if we don't have a lot of information and even the, this might not be our longest episode and might not be the most informative but i think this is a really important case to talk about because this is crazy this is crazy that this is like a case that you don't know about there's not a lot of information about it's not solved i mean it's just important to talk about especially for us being in the Bay Area. It's a local Bay Area case. I mean, And just to bring more attention to it, yeah. however many people are listening to us, yeah. I would just love if this could get more attention mm-hmm. and get more steam behind it. Her sister, within the last year, has really picked up for Good. her advocacy for this case. Mm-hmm. So we are behind you. Yeah. And we want Georgia's killer to be found. Yes. This person that committed this murder could potentially only be like 40-something, 50-something yeah. years old. A murder like this doesn't really happen just once. No. Right. This could be, you could have a predator out there. So thanks for listening. And I hope you take this case to heart. And I know there's probably a lot of other cases like mm-hmm. this, unfortunately. Yeah. And let's not let Georgia Lee Moses be mm-hmm. forgotten. No, no, not at all. Um, For pictures of Georgia mm-hmm. and the angel statue, 
and actually a, a composite picture of the man that she was last seen with. There's okay. a composite. Oh, good. We'll put those all on Instagram. Please see us at over the fence underscore podcast. And wherever you guys listen to us, any podcasting platform, please make sure to go on there and leave us a review. And we look forward to talking to you next time. Over the fence.